Hi, and welcome to Praise Church. We are so excited that you're worshiping with us today. We have three campus locations, Ascension, New Orleans, and online. To find out more about us and our ministry, please visit praisechurchoflouisiana.com. Monday, August 31st begins our 21 days of prayer and fasting. During this time, we are believing for breakthroughs and miracles. There is no greater way to get better connected with Praise Church than in finding community and spiritual growth in our synced group ministry. We are excited to announce that our fall synced group semester will begin September the 14th. Synced group registration will be provided for free on our website. Find a group that interests you today. Thank you for joining us today. It's a good day. The Word says this is the day the Lord's made, and I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it, no matter what's taking place around me. You know, when we have revelation of who God is and who we are in Him, then, it, then we're able to say things like that, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad. Why? Because today doesn't determine my future. Today only is only a moment in time. But God determines where I'm going. God has already determined from the beginning. And I'm going to talk about that just a little bit here today as we go through the scripture. If you have a pencil, piece of paper, I want you to get it together and, and, and I want you to take some notes. I want you to write these scriptures down. I want you to have them so you can go back and rehearse them again and begin to study them out so that uh, it can get, become a part of you. You know, Revelation, when we look at the Word of God, Revelation should come to us every time we open up Scripture, every time that we hear a message, every time that we hear an anointed song that comes from God, we should, we should extract the revelation of that and bring it into our life that now brings us to a whole different level, brings us to a whole different place in God, but, but the revealing of that actually brings us to the place that we can see more of how God created us and who we are. And so I want to go into Matthew chapter 17. I have a, a, a lot of different scriptures, and, and I'm, I'm already this morning, I'm in a nervous panic because my, my iPad's been charging all night, and now it just notified me I only got 5%. So uh, I ran and grabbed a, a charger real quick. So if you see wires everywhere, it's because of electronic Bibles. I think I'm going to go back to the pages again. And uh, go back to old school. But anyway, Matthew chapter uh, 17, I want to look at verse 9. That which hath been, been is now, and that which is to be has already been. And God requireth that which is past. Now this here, 
when we look at this, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, and, and this is because of an electronic Bible. So since I'm already there, it must be what I'm supposed to be speaking about right now. That which has been now is now, and that which is to be hath already been. Now the writer here is, is, is giving us an insight that God has already created and already brought forth the end before we even began. Now, that's not just talking about um, him conquering over Lucifer and all these things and him being uh, uh, the supreme uh, uh, ruler of the world, the universe, everything. But it's actually talking about us as individuals, that God has already created our end and he has already spoken of our end. You know, some, some scriptures that we look at, when, when uh, the Lord begins to speak, he said, I knew you before you entered into your mother's womb. And that's, that brings a question here of what, how did he know us then? And how come we didn't know? Oh, how come we're not aware? And, 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 and we, we see that through the fall of Adam. We see what, that when Adam fell, that uh, God created him in his image and created in him his likeness. And then when he was... Um, when he bought into Lucifer's uh, lies, then Adam began to see himself in an inferior way. He began to see himself as a loser, as one, uh, the word describes, he says, that Adam, God says, where, Adam, where are you? He said, here I am. He said, what are you doing over there? He said, because I'm naked. He actually began to see himself as an inferior being because of Lucifer's lies that he bought into. And, and it, when we look at this and, and, and uh, when we see how that Lucifer slithered into the garden, the only way that he could really have, have authority over Adam was to get Adam to re reduce his ability to see himself the less than what God created him. Let's talk about it just for a moment because when, when we're reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says that which has been is now, that has been before is now here, and that which is to be hath already been. In other words, my future has already been established by God and there is a path that I need to walk and it's up to me to find where he what he has for me in my future. So I have to come into alignment with him. And when I come into that alignment with him, then I am actually becoming one with what he has already prescribed for me. In other words, in November 15th, whatever year it might be, that God has a plan for us. And when we come into alignment with his word, we begin to come to that, we come to that place where that what he has spoken, we are now ready for, and it now comes to pass. It now comes about because we have now come into alignment with God. You know, the, the New Agers talk about the stars coming into alignment. I'm not worried about stars coming into alignment. I'm worried about me coming into the alignment with God so that I can fulfill everything that he has spoken over my life before I was ever born. 
before I ever came into existence in this world, he knew me. He knew, he knew you before you came into this world. And he had a plan for you before then. Now, it's up to us to find that plan. It's up to us to move into, into that place. And since I've already started with Ecclesiastes, I want to I jump up to Isaiah uh, chapter 45 and begin to read something to you here that I think is, uh, is, is very, very interesting and, and encouraging. So everybody needs encouragement. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. We need encouragement. Verse, verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 45, it, it begins to speak as soon as I can get there in my computer. <clears throat> let, let, let's, well, I'm still in Ecclesiastes. Why haven't you moved, computer? All right, verse 3 of I, Isaiah chapter 45. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. Now, want you, let's pay attention to that. Let's look at it just for a moment. I will give to you of darkness. Now, is that talking about what Lucifer has, or is that talking about areas in our life that we haven't had exposure to yet. Now, when the light comes into our life, what happens is it expels darkness. Or it begins to illuminate areas that we're not aware of. So it could be that what God is speaking here is that when his light begins to shine in the darkness of our lives. Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where that you wonder... Where are you going to be tomorrow? You wonder what tomorrow holds. Well, that's, that's darkness to us. We don't know. We, don't, we haven't been exposed to that. We don't have insight to our tomorrow except that God reveal our tomorrow to us. And how does he reveal it to us? He gives it to us by shining his light in the dark area. I'm not talking about sin now. This is not, talking, this is not dealing with sin. This is dealing with dark areas of our life that we have not seen a glimpse of what's existing for us. And God begins to illuminate the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places. In other words, in everyone's life, there is a secret place that God has already established from the foundation of this world that we need illumination in so that we can know what God's plan is for us. But when he exposes those hidden places, then we have revelation. We, last week and the week before last, we've been talking about revelation. We've been talking about perspective or perception. When I have a, a, a perception of who I am in God and who he is within me, it changes the ball game. It changes everything about where I am at, I'm at. The word says, uh, uh, unless a man, got, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and he's saying, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a difference between looking and seeing. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Now, now, when we, when we walk in revelation, 
We can, we can look at scripture and look at it from historical value. But when I begin to see what it's saying to me, it now becomes revelation to me. When revelation comes into my life, I now have insight. In other words, I'm not looking at the obvious. I'm now able to see a little bit beyond the obvious to see what God is saying about a situation. In our world today, people are looking for the answer. What's going on? What's taking place? And, and what does our future look like? Newscasters are saying we've got a new normal. Well, okay, that's how you want to define things, but, but, but what is your new normal? My new normal is when I start looking at the Scripture and I see beyond the obvious to see what God is saying about something, and now I have insight on something. Now the next step is to having foresight of seeing how going to, going to the distance or how far I can see into that that is beyond the obvious, and now I know about my future. When I start seeing what God says, I don't have fear about my future. I have peace about my future. So I can have sight, I can see, I can have insight a little bit beyond the obvious, and then I can move into a place of having foresight that brings me into my future. You know, some people say, well, you're absolutely crazy about what you're talking about. No, let me tell you, what I'm talking about is the kingdom of God. Unless, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Having, being able to see, not just the look, we understand what the scripture says. We, 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 we see what the preachers are preaching and say, hey, hallelujah, wonderful, that's a great message, but do we, do we actually see it? We're listening, but we're not really hearing. So I can listen to a message or I can read scripture and not get the revelation of what's trying to be communicated. Therefore, the obvious, the obvious now controls me. I'm now controlled by my circumstances. I'm now controlled by my situation. I understand and I'm aware of what's in my bank account. I'm aware of my debt. I'm aware of all the problems that are around me. But when I have insight to the things that God has for me, then the obvious cannot control me because I'm seeing further than the obvious and I'm seeing the outcome is going to be greater than my situation. I hope I'm making sense with what I'm, what I'm saying here. So he, he, sa he says in, in Isaiah 45, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of, a, of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am, he says, I am the God of Israel. He says, I'm, I'm going to expose to you by opening up things in your life that you can't see right now because it's hidden in darkness. Not hidden in sin, it's hidden in darkness. And when my light comes in and begins to reveal who you are, let's go back to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve bought into the lies of, of the enemy, into the lies of the serpent, they now find themselves looking at themselves from a different perspective than what God had established them in. The word says God created them in his image and in his likeness. In other words, when he created them, 
They looked like God. They thought like God. They were not God, they, 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 but they thought like him. In other words, there was nothing impossible to them. And when God came and talked to them in the cool of the day, as he began to breathe upon them, as he began to speak to them, they began to gain more dominion. They began to have revelation of what they were to do and, and where they were to go and, 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 and what they were to, to involve themselves in. And God says to them one day, of this tree you will not eat. And surely when you eat of that you will die and you will know good and evil. So when, when Lucifer comes in, he couldn't deal with them in the state that they were created in. In other words, when he saw them, he saw them as these huge giants full of power. This is the perception of Lucifer. And he said, the only way that I can deal with them is to get them reduced down to a place that I can affect them. And so they ate of the tree. And when they ate of the tree, they knew they were naked because it was obvious at that point the glory of God lifted off of them and they knew what was good and they knew what was evil and they began to focus more on the evil than they could see the spiritual. What God is trying to do is bring us back to the stage of how he created Adam and Eve that we're not sin conscious. Hear what I'm saying? The church, the world, religious world is so sin conscious that we cannot see and we cannot be spirit conscious because we're looking at our faults. We're looking at our failures. We're looking at our nakedness and because our focus is more on our nakedness than on the spiritual, we can't see where God wants us to be and what he's doing in the world. Therefore, we, we are inundated with fear in our life, and fear begins to paralyze any hope for tomorrow. So we want to change that. Man repents not because sin is exposed. Man repents because of the goodness of God, and it's throughout Scripture. When you see the goodness of God, it draws you to God. Not his exposure, the exposure of where you are, we already know. I don't need somebody to tell me what my sin is. I just need deliverance from that so that I can have insight into things of God. Nobody needs to tell you what your sin is. You already know. But what we need is somebody to see into our life beyond the obvious, and begin to call the good out of us so that we can rise to that point that we are above the problems and not beneath them. The enemy wants to keep us beneath our problems. God wants to lift us above the problems so that we can have oversight of our life. So it, it, if, if we are able to lift our eyes, not, not physically lifting our eyes this way, 
but if I was able to lift my eyes that I'm able to see and comprehend where I am and see where the problems are from a, a different viewpoint, then I can deal with the problem, fix the problem, and move into my future because not only am I seeing where the problem rooted from, I'm now able to see where I need to go. Insight, foresight. Being able to lift myself above the problems. I want to I go to chapter 46 of uh, Isaiah and look at verse 10 for a moment. And then we're going to begin to run with that. And then I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes after that. Number, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. Look at this. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying... My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. This is a prophetic word that is coming out from Isaiah, and he's saying, declaring the end from the beginning. Let's take that and reverse that a little bit here. If I'm standing in my beginning, and I have insight of what God has already established for me, then I can see my end while I'm standing in my beginning which now gives me a hope for tomorrow. It now gives me insight for my future and how I need to get to the ending of my life. You say, well, I don't want to get to the ending of my life. I want to live. I'm not talking about living and dying, being born and being buried. What I'm actually talking about is the purpose and the plan that God has for our personal life that we're able to understand where God wants us to go in our journey so that we come, come into alignment with what he has already spoken. So when I get to that place, let me, let me tell you a story about uh, William Branham. William Branham was a, a tremendous, they called him an evangelist, but I believe he was more, more of a prophet than anything. William Branham had a dream. And in this dream, he saw... He saw himself walking on a beach or in a, in a, in a coastal uh, city, and he heard a crash take place, a car accident. And in that, he turned and looked to see where the crash came from, and he saw a car. He saw what type of car it was, but he also saw a child that, that got hit by the car in this accident and died on the scene. And then he saw himself going to the scene, lifting up that child, and in this dream he has, he sees this child living after that it had died. Now five years goes by, and he's on a beach, he's on a, a coastal city, and he's walking in a beach area, and he hears this crash, and it brings him back to that dream. He understood what the dream was, and he saw the car, but the car wasn't the same color that it was in the dream. In his dream, it was orange, but in life, it was yellow. But, but nevertheless, he took that, the dream, he was right in the middle of that dream that he had, and then he runs to the scene and sees this little girl lying there, and they're trying to, survive, they're trying to revive her and, and, and bring her back to life, and he, he picks her up, lifts her up, and begins to pray a prayer of faith. Nothing happens. Then he prays again, and nothing happens, and, and, he, 
after a period of time, he walks away from the scene and he's asking God, God, isn't this the dream that you gave me? He said, there was the car. It was the, it was the brand. It was the make. It was the model. It was everything you, saw, you showed me in the dream. And then as the sun goes down while he was on the beach talking to God, saying, God, why? What's going on? He glanced, and as the sun began to change its position, it became, began to change the presence of a yellow car to an orange view. And God spoke to him and said, and now this is the time. And he went and raised the child Here's my point. My point is, timing is everything. But having the ability to foresee your future and in getting to the place that you understand timing, that when everything comes into place and you're in focus with God, then you can walk in your dream and cause it to come true. Let me, tell, let me say this before I go any further. Your dream cannot come true unless first you dream. Think about it just for a minute. That's just a silly, silly moment here in my, my time with you today to say something that's the obvious, but many times we never think of it. I've got a dream before my dreams can come true. So my question is, are you allowing God to speak to you to bring you into a place that you're dreaming, unconscious? You know, I think the ultimate way that God speaks to us is for him to speak to us openly. The way that he did with Adam and Eve. He came in the cool of the day and he spoke to them and they began to understand more and more every day about their dominion about their ability, about who they are, who, they, who God created them to be. And that revelation of that was just from that spoken word, from him breathing into their life. And, and, and I could go into scriptures that talk about the breath of God, the of God. When you, when you look at Abram, Abram's name was changed to Abraham. That, that ham, that was the breath of God. And, and, and Abraham was not able to become who he needed to be until God breathed upon him. Isaiah, you can go through scriptures and, and, and begin to see that when God places his name upon you, when God begins to speak upon you and breathes upon you, it, br it brings light into darkness and you're able to see yourself like you have never seen yourself before from the time of Adam. We have not been able to see ourselves how God created us. And our objective is to get to the place that we can see ourselves how God created us so that we can have dominion over what God has established for us to have dominion over from the beginning of time or before time started. A dream. Just for a moment, just a dream is when, he, when we get into an unconscious state. Many times God can only speak to us when we're unconscious 
of what our surroundings are. When we're unconscious of our problems, our lack, our bills, our disappointments, and our lies that we tell ourselves. As long as I'm conscious to my sin, conscious to where I am, then I can't be conscious to the spirit. So from the beginning where Adam fell, God has been speaking to man, and we're having to find the interpretation of what he's saying. Now, it's easier to understand it when he speaks directly to us, but it takes work for us to understand it when we dream or have visions. When I have a dream, I see things in pictures, I, I, all of us, we have pizza dreams where, where that we seeing things and nightmares. Bev was dreaming the other night and I can hear her talking in her sleep and, 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 and I, I, uh, before I woke her up or shook her, I wanted to hear what she had to say <laughs> just in case she was talking to me. But we have these dreams and, 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 and she's not conscious or we're not conscious of our surroundings we have now been brought into a whole different dimension where that we are unconscious to what our surroundings are. We're unconscious to our bills. We're unconscious to the problems that we're dealing with. We're unconscious. So God uses dreams and, and daydreams or visions that we're able to, to, to hear his voice until we're able to move ourselves and begin to graduate that we are less sin conscious and more spirit conscious. This is why John the Baptist, when Jesus appears, he says, I, I now begin to reduce myself so he becomes greater. What, what is he saying? He says, I'm conscious of where I am, but now that he's here, I cannot look at myself the same anymore. I have to look at him more than I look at myself. And I think in all of us, we have a tendency, and we've been taught uh, through various different means to be aware of who we are. And we're not taught that we need to be more aware of the spirit than we need to be aware of our own faults. What could we do in life if we were not aware of our shortcomings or our faults? Where could we be today if we would have heard this when we were in our 20s and, and, and said that, you know what, if you, can, if you can just see the obvious, just look at the obvious, but see beyond the obvious and see what God is saying, I tell you, we'd be further along right now. We'd be further along in the things that God has for us. So, uh, so uh, a dream is, is, is being into an unconscious state. It's what, what you are not conscious of. It's a place where you're not conscious of your surroundings. You're not aware of your circumstances or your problems. Therefore, being aware of what the Spirit is saying to you now brings you into a place that revelation can come in your life. William Branham had the dream. He didn't see the car as a yellow car. He saw the car as an orange car. And until the sun began to set, the car did not change colors. It was yellow. He didn't understand why the child, when he saw him praying for the child, the child living again. It wasn't the time. It was when the car became orange. 
that he was able to release. It was the timing of the thing. And many times in our dreams, we have a hard time interpreting some things, but the more that we get used to interpreting, then we can begin to expand ourselves and begin to see what God is trying to say. I hope I'm making sense with what you say. Well, what, why, why this on a Sunday morning? Because I think it's important that as believers that we discern the times and the seasons that we're living in. And part of discerning the times and the season is not just reading the word, but having dreams and having visions or having insight so that we can have foresight of where we're going. Wouldn't you like to know where the stock market is going to be tomorrow? Wouldn't you like to know where that the presence of God is bringing us? Where that there might be a company that's just being formed that's going, that's going to rise like many of the other stocks have, have risen. It's gone from pennies to hundreds and be able to buy in. Well, God can speak to you. God can tell you things of what is coming. In other words, you can see the obvious. Yeah, it looks terrible right now. Look, the world looks like it's going crazy and it's upside down. But what is God trying to prepare for the future? And if you can get into your future now, then you can prepare yourself now for where you will be five, ten years from now. I know that that would cause many people to to scratch their head, to cross their eyes at me and wonder, where did this guy come from? What is he saying? And he's uh, absolutely lost his mind. Okay, let's lose our mind a little bit more and let's go into Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want to show you some things here that I think are, are, are important um, for the times that we're living in, for where we're going, our future. My future's bright. I don't look at my new now my new way of living, the way the world predicts it. I'm looking at what God is saying over my life for my future. Let's, let's look at Ecclesiastes uh, verse, um, chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. <laughs> to everything there is a season. We, we, can, we can go and look at our, our, our grass, our trees in our yard, and it's a season that we have to cut the grass, and we, have to, uh, we don't have to rake so many leaves right now. But there's coming a change in the season that leaves will begin to fall. You won't have to cut your grass, but you're going to have to rake your leaves. There's a shift. There's something that has changed. To everything, there is a season. To your life, to my life, there is a season. I'm saying, for my life, the season that I have been in is about to change. Tomorrow is going to look better than it looks right now. My, my where I am with my problems or my situation or my circumstances, there's a change that's about to take place. And I, how, how can you say that when we're in the midst of a pandemic, when we're in the midst of all the problems that we're seeing in our society and in the world today. I can say that because I'm looking beyond the obvious and I'm looking to see what God is saying about my situation and where I'm going. I believe tomorrow is going to be a great day. I believe that there's going to be some excitement that's about to take place in our world. 
excitement that's going to take place in the kingdom of God. Now let's drop down to verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. When you look at this, just this one verse in verse 11 begins to expose that God is so powerful and so incredible that he has already created everything in its ending before he even created the, end, the beginning. I, I talked to a, a, a person one time and, and they began to tell me that in preaching, in ministering, if you want to be effective in ministry, then you build your sermon around your altar call. Your altar call is not typically what you do at the beginning of the message. Your altar call is ultimately at the end. So your sales pitch all the way from the beginning is you're telling a story. You're bringing the introduction to where you're going. And then you bring the body of that. And then ultimately you come to getting people to make a decision. If you're in sales, that's what you're doing. You're ultimately, you're wanting to make the sale. So you build your, your sermon. You build your sales pitch totally around your altar call. Say there's not much difference in salespeople and preachers. The only difference is, is you're selling a commodity that somebody can touch and feel. I'm selling something that people can't even see, much less be able to touch, except that they get into the realms of the spirit. So not many people want to buy into something that they can't tangibly touch or have or hold. So my job as a salesperson may be a little bit more difficult. I was, someone called me on the phone one day and, and they were working at a bank and they were making calls to collect money that people owed. And I said, well, hey, uh, you have any openings? Well, do you have any sales experience? I said, well, I'm a pastor. She said, but do you have any sales experience? I was just joking around with them. Do you have any sales experience? I said, well, let me tell you what I do. I said, I get up in front of people all, every time, all the time. And I try to sell them something that they can't touch, they can't smell, they can't see, they can't feel, they can't hear. And I have to bring them to making a decision to accept what I have to offer them. And many people come to the altars. I said, can your salespeople do that? Can your salespeople sell people something that they can't touch, feel, see? Well... In order to be successful in that, you have to build everything around your altar call. God knew the beginning, the end, before he even started the beginning. And in our life, he already had prescribed for us where we're going to be in this time, in this season. He knew that a couple of weeks ago, the coast of Louisiana would be pounded with a hurricane, and he knew that following behind that, there would be another hurricane threatening our shores. He knew that we would be in the middle of a pandemic. He knew that in this time that our state would go to phase three. He, there's nothing that surprises God because he already knew the end before he created the beginning. He knew you would be living in this time, in this season, going through 
what you're going through. The question is, can he get us to the place that we can see beyond our circumstances, our situation, and see what God is saying about the times that we're living in? And that's the question. That's the that, that is the area that all of us need to change. And so in order to change that, we have to quit looking at ourselves from our mistakes, from our issues, from our circumstances or our problems that we're dealing with and begin to look at ourselves how God created us. Lucifer will always try to get you to see yourself Less than what you are. Why? Because he knows that if you see yourself as God created you, he's in trouble and he will not have any leverage in your life. So he wants to expose your nakedness. He wants to expose your mistakes. God wants to build you up where you don't see your faults. It's not saying that... <coughs> God wants us to live in denial, but he wants to bring us spiritually to the point that where our problems are and our shortcomings have no longer a hold on our life, that is no longer a part of our life. If you go into Galatians chapter 5, and I'm not going to go there, I just feel prompted to say this, <laughs> if you go into Galatians chapter 5 and about three quarters of the way down in that one chapter, you begin to find that it talks about the works of the flesh. And then it goes into naming all the different works of the flesh. And then it says, and those that practice, practice these things, shall not see the kingdom of God. Wow. It doesn't mean that those that stumble or fall or have a, a, a moment that they fall into sin, it doesn't say that they're not going to see it. He says the ones that practice. In other words, it's, it's, it's like a doctor. A doctor is practicing medicine. And whatever he does affects the person he's practicing on. If I practice the works of the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to reap what I'm walking in because I'm practicing those things. And that will keep me from seeing or being able to enter into the kingdom of God. There's three different levels here. One is see the kingdom of God. Another is enter into the kingdom of God. And the other one is inherit the kingdom of God. Three stages that we go through. We be able to, we're able to see the kingdom and then we're able to enter into the kingdom, and then we're able to inherit the kingdom. When you inherit the kingdom, it's not just about you, but it's about the generations to come that you now expose to them how they need to live in order to walk in the kingdom. I, I, I look back in Scripture, and we, we hear of a, a character by the name of Enoch. There's not much written about him, but he was a descendant of, Ab uh, of Adam, he was one of Adam's great, great, great grandchildren. And the word says this about, about Enoch. He was, and then he wasn't. And he was translated. In other words, he was taken from this world, 
and moved into heaven because he walked with God. You see, here's the difference. Adam and Eve, they, they were in the garden and they heard the voice of God and they were learning about their dominion. They fell and it affected generations because they began to practice areas that they did not need to be in. God wants to reverse that so that we walk with him so that the next generation can understand how to walk with God. What, what, what I'm finding in our society is that, that there are not many people that are portraying how to walk with God, and therefore the next generation is having a struggle with God because they're focusing more on their failures and their flesh than they are on the spirit. Let's go down just a little bit further. And, and he hath made, verse 11, and he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now, this is not saying that, that we're not going to see the things of God and understand the mysteries of God. Jesus was given to us that we would be able to start seeing the mystery. He is the the, the, the secret, the mystery. Verse 15. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Wow. He's saying, he said, where you are today was already established before you even came into the world. He knew exactly where you would be in time. And God requires of us to take an account of our life and find out, are we walking where we need to be walking in the things that God has for us? And I have to say this, that I believe when we take an account of where we are, many come up short of where they're walking. So when we find ourselves and we take an account of where we are, if you're, if you're looking at your budget, if you're looking at your, your finances, the income versus the output of what's taking place in your life, and you're finding that you're, you're spending more than you're making, then you need to sit back and take an account of what's going on because there's going to be a point you're not going to be able to pay all your bills. And if you don't take an account and change, then you possibly are going to end up in a bad situation. But if you take an account of your past, he says, he says, and God requireth that which is past. In other words, to take an account of the past so that you can know where you're going in your future. If my life has been this and I haven't been walking with God and I realize that I'm not in the place where God wants me to be, when I take an account of that, I need to change to get in the place where God wants me to be at. Talking about dreams here, Joseph had a dream. He had two dreams. One dream is that they had sheaves of wheat. They were, some were standing up and then they fell and Joseph saw that his that he stacked began to stand up. And he began to tell this to his brothers and his brothers were envious and they became mad of him. And then he had another dream about stars and the moon and the sun which was a portrayal of the father, the mother, and his brothers. And we could go into a whole different message on the stars 
when Lucifer falls, he says, I will be, I will be above the stars. Which when you really take an account of what's taking place in that, he's saying, I will be above mankind because I'm going to cause them to fall and I'm going to rise above them and they're going to be beneath me. God never created us to be beneath him. He created us for him to be under our feet. But he, in his, in his pride, begins to say, I'm so jealous of how God made man that I will be above them. That's what he's referring to in that. So the stars were his brothers. And his brothers, talking about Joseph here, he's talking to his brothers and he says that he, he will be above those others. And, and he now has a vision of his ending before he even gets started in life. He has a dream of his ending. In our heart, in our life, we need to have a vision of our future so we know how to walk this thing out. And if I can see where I'm going, then it makes it easier for me to make the steps that I need to make towards God. I'm, I'm going to finish with this. In this teaching, we're going to pick up with it again at, a, at another time. God requires us to take an account of our lives. And if we're not in alignment with him, we need to make the adjustments so that we can get in the pathway that he wants us to be in so that we can end up where he wants us to be, and that's with him. When we start looking at God's nature and his character, it's all through Scripture. And we begin to see how God speaks to us and how he gives us dreams, how he gives us visions, how that we can move into a place that, that these things that treasures that are in darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that he begins to reveal to us that he begins to show us that he's God. And there are things that he hides because of Lucifer stealing. And when we enter into a place that seems to be dark, and I'm not talking about sin here, but we don't know which way to go, that's when we need to call upon God to illuminate in the darkness so that we can see the riches that are in the darkness in those secret places that are hidden in the hidden riches in secret places so that we can go in and grab those things that we need in our life to bring us into our future. And I'm going to say this, that every one of us, whether you're in this building or you're watching us here, by YouTube or Facebook or whatever electronic devices that you're using. Reality of it is God has a great future for you. But we have to take an account of where we are so that we can move in his presence to fulfill the purpose that he has given to us. You say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not any of that. You know what? You can be grateful that you're not. But in reality, God has designed you to be that businessman, to be that businesswoman, to be that housewife, to, to be the mother, to be the father, to be that uncle, to be that aunt, to be where he, where he has you right now. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. You look at where God has 
you right now and where he wants you to be. A lot of people say, well, well, if I could just be this or if I could just be that. If you could be what God wants you to be, then you're going to be the happiest person that you can ever describe. So if you're a carpenter, if you're an electrician, if you're a plumber, if you're an attorney, if you're a doctor, if you're in the political arena, know that God has opened up the doors for you to be in those, those areas. But don't get focused on your circumstances. Don't get focused on your situation. Ask God for some insight. And let him begin to talk to you. Let him talk to you through your dreams. Let him talk through you, to you through your, your visions. Through, let, let him begin to speak to you so you'll know which way to go in your walk with him. And watch and see where he'll lead you. He'll lead you to the place that he has designed for you before you ever came into this world because he created the end before he brought you to your beginning. Today is a day that we can take an account of where we are. When we start taking account of where we are, we find we've had some failures. We find that we have messed up some things. We find that we have said things that we should have never said, done things we should have never done. But I can't keep doing what I've been doing to get to where I really need to go. I need to come into alignment with God and let him begin to reveal to me where I need to go. I promise you, if you make him first in your life, he'll speak to you. I promise you that if you make the effort to draw close to him, He's going to draw close to you, and you'll have that relationship with God, your creator, that will bring you into the future that he has already drawn the blueprints for. Would you call upon him today? Would you ask him to come into your heart, into your life? Right now is the greatest time to do it. Don't wait until tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm guaranteed right now. So why don't you make an effort right now while you have an opportunity to call upon him? I'm going to pray with you before we go and pray with these that are here today. Won't you do this with me? Why don't you just close your eyes so there won't be any distractions of anything around you? And let's begin to focus on God and let's begin to talk to him. Just say this with me. Dear God, come into my life. And make yourself real to me. I'm taking an account of where I am. And I see my shortcomings and my failures. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. But Lord, I want you to be Lord over my life. I want you to save my soul and cause me to be born again so I can see your kingdom. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for everyone that you're touching here today and those that are watching. I ask you, God, that you make yourself real to every one of us. In the times that we're living in, we need you now. 
more than ever before. Touch us, O oh God. Touch our families. Touch everything that we do. And we give you praise and give you glory for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you again soon.